Hello and welcome to Technically Speaking, a podcast where scientists and engineers come together to chat about a common interest, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Laura and in this episode I'm joined by Anika and hopefully a few others uh, to talk about risk, what it means to us and how we handle it in our various professions. So Anika, what does risk mean to you? Um, I guess risk, I don't know, we talk about it all the time but it's, it's so hard to define. Um, for me, I think it's like things that could happen that we have to be aware of when we're planning our activities day to day. I guess that's the simplest way that I would I would describe it. Fair enough. So you work in a lab, right? Yeah, so I, I do research in, in nuclear fusion. Um, I don't actually work with a lot of active samples, but I still work in labs with heavy machinery and kind of materials and large components and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, when we're in labs, we always have to do risk assessments. Um, when we're planning experiments and things like that. Um, so that's kind of a risk in day to day. Um, and because I work at a university, they also make you do risk assessments for every kind of process as well. Um, so one example is that one of my students uh, needed a chair to work from home. Um, and that was one of my most recent risk assessments was writing a risk assessment to receive a chair. <laughs> home, but there are risks. And, you know, the university can't be liable in case you hurt your back when you're handling a chair or you catch COVID from the delivery driver. So I had to have things like stay two metres away from the delivery, leave the box to quarantine for like, uh, I don't know what I wrote, maybe 72 hours. And then, um, yeah, then you can construct your chair and be careful when lifting heavy components and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a super kind of common activity that we have to do is, is making risk assessments. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess a lot of the time you kind of you do a risk assessment without thinking about it pretty much in day to day life as well, I guess. I mean, uh, you've probably heard me talk about this before, but a good example is crossing the road, isn't it? Where like, obviously you check to see if there's any traffic and you check to see if it, if it makes sense to cross where you are. And if not, you, you find another place like a crossing rather than just walking straight out onto the road. So, yeah, yeah there's, there's so many risks all around us. And I think some of them are acceptable to us and some of them aren't acceptable. And then when they're not acceptable, we have to put measures in place to to mitigate against them. So like when you cross the road, it's probably not acceptable to cross it when there's loads of traffic coming. So we put measures in place like having a pedestrian crossing where someone can safely cross the road when, when cars can stop and stuff like that. Yeah, so the, the risk assessment you were talking about, um, so with getting a chair delivered, how does that differ to a risk assessment that you would do if you were working in the lab or is it exactly the same? So the actual risk assessment, like a piece of paper is the same piece of paper. Um, so the whole thought process behind it is the same. Um, but obviously in the lab, it's, it's different what we kind of things, well, some of them are actually the same, like lifting heavy stuff is a pretty common one. Um, in labs but then there's other specific risks to certain chemicals or certain things that you you might use um and for that then you have to you know look at uh, procedures and databases and make sure you're following best practice to try and keep the risk as low as as reasonably possible um in the lab okay so like some of the risk assessments i've done in the past you have like a matrix sort of a five by five table um apparently waving your arms around with a podcast doesn't work very well i'll try to remember that to do that nothing. and then i realized that you can't hear nothing <laughs> um, but yeah it's sort of like uh, you multiply the chance of it happening um 
the probability of something happening by uh, the consequences of if that thing were to happen, what would it be? So like the most extreme is uh, you will definitely die from doing this activity. Um, and in our lab, that's like a five and a five. So it's, a, it's on the probability scale, it's a five and the, uh, the consequences scale, it's five as well. And then we use sort of those numbers to figure out what sort of mitigation you have to put in place to make it even safer. Do you guys do that as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we put mitigations in place. So we either like if it's too dangerous, we just don't do the activity. If there's no mitigations you can put in place, or it's yeah, it's not safe for someone to do it, then you don't do it. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we put mitigations in place um, and try and reduce that number as as much as possible. Um, but obviously, things can can still happen, and not all risks are taken into account. So we're joined by a silent civil engineer today, um, who lost their voice during their work, uh, having to teach. Uh, for three and a half hours constantly. Um, so you could argue that that's a risk that you could lose your voice if you're having to talk for three and a half hours straight on, on Zoom. But no one carried out a risk assessment for that, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a shaking head because they can't speak, but um, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess there are also like two different kinds of consequences there because there's, there's the physical effect, the health effect. Uh, there's also like you, I guess you can't really do your job anymore if your job all revolves around speaking and talking to students <laughs> how are you meant to do your next lecture so yeah I think a lot of the time we talk about risk as being like the physical effect but I guess like project managers would think about it all the risk of like project failure or um, yeah. something similar Absolutely. I think both of them, yeah, the effect of the project and then affect your own well-being as well. But I think because um, you work in nuclear as well, right, Laura? So um, in nuclear, I think it, that's a really interesting way of, of like how risk is managed. Um, so like I remember when I was at uni that there's like different kind of, I don't know if a project management approach is the right word, but it's like we, you identify the risk and then you have to reduce reduce the risk so if you're working with active material that might be like shielding or things like that to reduce the dose um that you're receiving um but then there were a few other ones which i can't remember them as well now but it's like if a system fails you need to have an, another one in place so say you've got the shielding but say something happened to that shielding you need to have another one just in case i can't remember the word for it there's a special redundancy, word redundancy i think yes exactly yeah. that's, that's the word. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I remember this from, so I used to be a nuclear safety assessor many, many years ago. And so I used to do this professionally. And yeah, if um, depending on what the consequences were, um, and like the final risk level once you'd multiplied your consequences by um, the probability, that would then dictate how many control measures you had to put in place. So yeah, you'd have like a secondary backup. I think nuclear calls it like defense in depth, having all these redundant systems. Um, which sounds a bit weird in a way saying something's redundant <laughs> but it's so, it's so important like yeah if something like I think was it with them um, yeah I can't remember what it was but you know just having yeah different levels in, in places if one doesn't work having another one just to catch um, issues is yeah very very useful yeah so like, we, we've talked a bit about like, crossing roads and things. Um, so what's the most, most risky thing that you've ever done, either professionally or at home? <laughs> you might not want to answer that, actually. <laughs> Good question. I think it's really hard. Because maybe we didn't know something we did was risky as well, right? Because you only know if something's risky if, like, either if something uh, bad happens to you 
or if it doesn't happen to you how do you know you weren't just lucky and like if you weren't aware that the risk was there that's I'm sure I've done that plenty of times I've done really especially as a kid I'm sure I almost died several several times but I just wasn't aware of, of the risk um like once I remember when I was a kid I, I climbed a tree um like in flip-flops all the way to the top and fell like on and the tree was on top of concrete so if I'd been young and done a risk, like if I'd done a risk assessment at that time, I'd be like, that's not wise to climb a tree in flip-flops, which is above concrete. But I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. Um, so I climbed the tree and I got to the top and then I fell and I fell all the way down. But luckily, little Anika was a bit chubby and got stuck um, hanging upside down uh, over the concrete in the tree. Um, and then like my brothers, they went to get my mom and my mom didn't believe them that like her daughter could be so stupid to be stuck in a tree um and then she just came like five minutes later with a cricket bat to this day I thought okay if I've not died from falling from the tree my mom is now going to kill me with this this cricket bat uh for being so so naughty I don't know what she planned to do whether it was to hit me or to like poke me out of the tree um (laughs) but that was a pretty risky thing that I did but I've survived and and you know I'm alive to this day but at the time I wasn't aware it was risky so you know I think being aware is a big part of part of risk sorry I rambled a lot about my childhood experience oh that that was very entertaining I can't stop laughing about that now (laughs) um yeah it's a good point though like if you'd have known if it were risky you probably wouldn't have done it in the first place right but then because I was quite foolish like I did a lot of foolish things as a child I don't know like I think a lot of I don't know are children aware of risks because we have to like tell them right like to don't touch this, don't do that, that's hot, don't jump here and there. But then it's a balance between like instilling fear in them of not trying something, but then also not hurting themselves um, severely. Yeah, yeah, so we were talking about this sort of perception of risk, weren't we? I mean, you said, yeah, I work in the nuclear industry, I work with nuclear waste. And a lot of people kind of think that's quite a risky thing. Like, well, I'm still around. And I, I think the, part of the reason people think it's risky is because they don't really know what it is and how we handle it and I, how you can handle it safely. It just it comes across in like the public consciousness is this awful thing that should be avoided at all costs. But it's kept out of the public domain because that's the safest way of handling it to do it in a controlled way. Right. Which then creates this golden mythology around it. So and I think because because the nuclear industry does put so much um, procedures in place, like to mitigate against risk and to avoid like serious incidents that actually like puts more fear in I think public perception in a way just because they see all of these things that are why they're having to do all of this if it's if it's safe to use why are people putting all of these things in place um whereas I actually think it's a positive thing that we hit that they're so open and transparent that they have all of these procedures in place and they do all of this stuff because so many other industries we don't hear about all the like risks that they might have, whether that's like fossil fuels or um, other like, I don't know, mining industries, things like that, that are really risky, but we don't hear about all of those things that might happen um, as a result or the procedures that have been put in place because they're just not as open, I think. Um, yeah, I think I suppose it's quite difficult to get across how risky something is if if it's quite a difficult thing to talk about anyway. Like, so the nuclear industry is quite complicated, right? And like, 
you, you can't see radiation you can't sense it unless you have some other sensor but then like the same is true of the gas that we pipe into our own houses to heat them to run the boiler you can only detect that you can only smell it because a our scent was put into it otherwise you wouldn't know if there were a leak you wouldn't be able to sense it unless you had some other equipment but it's a difficult thing to get across isn't it I think people say when they smell gas they don't think well that's actually the smell that's put into it and it's the same in nuclear you can't sense radiation unless you've got some other device or uh, radiation makes a lot of things glow doesn't it <laughs> so we're all caught yeah. in something that luminesced when it was exposed to radiation maybe we can get around it that radiation's way radiation's all, all around us as well right so it's not radiation that's dangerous it's the amount of radiation so like if you eat a banana that contains radiation or if you go to the hospital because you've you've hurt yourself and you need an x-ray that would actually you know if you didn't have that x-ray that would hinder the doctors so it's you know small amounts of radiation are you know okay for us and safe and they actually can be really beneficial to to our lives like bananas are really not because of the radiation but bananas are good for us and x-rays help doctors um you know find broken bones and things like that oh yeah if you're allergic to a banana they're not so good that's true but um yeah so it's all about you know the quantities as well um and it goes back to that table you said about like finding um probabilities of things as well so it's like the probability um and the severity of of the consequence and those things those two things put together I think they they make the the risk yeah yeah that's a very good point I mean all the years I've been working with radiation I'm pretty sure I get more of a radiation dose from like a single transatlantic flight than I do from my day job um and like the space the space radiation the, the radiation that comes from space when I'm in a plane is taken into account when the risk assessment is done for the other things that I do so you can kind of see how it becomes more complicated to figure out what the effects would actually be to someone that doesn't necessarily know as much about it so I guess that's why the perception is that it's quite a risky thing but when you come to understand it and you learn the details it suddenly seems you're a lot more comfortable with it I guess the same is true of piping gas into your house or crossing a road or lots of things we do in everyday life Um, I think one of the most risky things I did at home was working on my household electrics I can't quite remember what I was doing, but I'd unscrewed a plug socket from the wall. I might have been painting behind it or something, or painting around it and not wanting to um, get paint everywhere. And I think something might have gotten stuck in it and I was trying to get it out and I had completely forgotten to isolate the circuit before I started working on it. So, uh, you know, working on live electrics, not a good idea because electrocution is death. Yeah. So definitely more risky than some of the things I've done in the lab. Um, which was just a, a lapse in concentration, I think. Yeah, and I think that's why we need all of these risk assessments and stuff as well, right? Because we're humans, so it's so easy for humans to make mistakes. So when you have to like stop and think about things, then at least you're like aware these are the the dangers. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I guess you have to get that balance right. As you were saying, like, how do you teach children about risk or do they just inherently pick it up? You don't want to go too far and constrain people too much and make them afraid to do anything. Um, um, yeah, I was reading an article just recently about, have you heard of a micromort? No. No, it's um, it's a measure of, um, what's the official definition? Um, so it's uh, your your chances in a million of being killed by doing a particular activity. Um, so you're, you're one in a thousand chance of being killed by sitting on a chair is, uh, yeah, just over one. 
1.3 microwatts risk of death by sitting on a chair because <laughs> you could fall off it and injure yourself in a way that you will die apparently no way I'm sitting on a chair right now well there you go (laughs) it didn't say what kind of chair I don't know if it's safer because that's arms and whatever else you just did you did a risk assessment for a chair right (laughs) yeah to be better going back to my old uh, yeah my student who had to make a risk assessment for a chair delivery that's yeah that I didn't know about there's a whole unit for that that's really crazy yeah quantify that I think it's based on like statistically like I guess how many people have been admitted to hospital um, as a result of falling off a chair and then died or something like that I don't actually know to be honest uh, I need to look into it a bit more to know how it's calculated but uh, yeah there's loads of stuff like um, the risk of death from driving a car 400 kilometers is approximately a micromort as well so roughly the same as sitting in a chair um, climbing Mount Everest seems really risky uh, 40,000 micromorts per ascent <laughs> It's not a surprise from some of the documentaries I've seen, no. Yeah, to be fair. I haven't seen document. I watched the movie Everest and I was like, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't plan to be climbing any Himalayan mountains. Um, yeah. Well, no, but then you've seen one movie and assumed it's really, really dangerous, right? But that movie obviously yeah, yeah, portrays it in a certain way. That is true. So, yeah, but now that... I've got the data that backs up. It's 40,000 micromorts. I'm, I'm... Yeah, you'll stay sitting in my chair. <laughs> Yeah, that's safer. only one. I can sit on my chair 40,000 times and it's the same as, as climbing Everest. Yeah. Wow, I should do that as like an activity. I'm climbing <laughs> Everest. I'm sitting on my chair 40,000 times. Oh dear. On that bombshell, uh, I think we've been talking for quite a while now. Can so, we ask, answer one question? We've had the questions and in the chat. Okay. So just let's let's try this interactive question type thing in case like we have viewers in the future who send in questions. Oh yeah, like live uh, Twitter questions. Yeah, um, go for it. So the question in the chat from Rahma is: Do you ever feel risk assessments hold holds your work back, and do you get frustrated by it, even though it's so useful? Um, I I would say no, because it, it well it makes you sit down and think about the work and actually plan it out and figure out the best way of doing it. But then I guess sometimes I do feel like all the safety procedures you have to go through do seem a bit onerous. I guess that you'd then have to think about is the risk assessment really appropriate for the work that you're doing? Um, but I think if I hadn't been trained in how to do risk assessments and um, spent an awful lot of time working with potentially risky things, but in a safe way, I, I don't think I would have translated that into doing things at home. So say, you know, working on my household electrics or riding my mountain bike, which apparently is quite a risky thing. I think I would probably do that in probably a more dangerous way if I wasn't aware of how useful risk assessments are. What about you? Um, I don't think they've ever held my work back, to be honest. It can be frustrating when you're doing it for like a chair, like that kind of stuff I do find frustrating because I feel then you're just jumping through hoops because, you know, sometimes you know people are writing risk assessments and it's just there you know for for liability purposes and things like that and you're like are people actually thinking about what they're doing does it still hold that same value and then I think that can be a bit dangerous if people just think oh it's just a risk assessment I don't need to know what's in there and stuff because actually they are really important even you know for other things because yeah if you don't follow them then you're not aware of, of dangers which especially if you're responsible for other people um I think can be really important so I, I haven't felt that they've held my work 
back sometimes I can get frustrated when it is on something that I think is, is trivial or mundane that might kind of go against like the bigger picture of, of because sometimes it goes the other way right they're like you have to do like all of this stuff just so something bad doesn't happen to you but then doing all of those things might induce more like you know dangers into your life like so for the same chair what a great example who knew chairs would be great examples for, for risk so initially I would have bought it because you know universities have set suppliers or whatever so the first supplier I bought it from they're like we can't deliver it to your home because um like in case someone uh, buys other things from us like chemicals or whatever and delivers it to, to their home we, we have a no home delivery policy even for a chair they're like but we can send it to the university and you can pick it up but I'm like no that's the point that we're not allowed in the university at the moment and my student doesn't have a chair so I can't send it to the university for the for the student to go to university to get a chair to bring it home because otherwise he could have just gone to university and found a chair in any old building and bought it home in the first place the point was that he can't go and he has to get it delivered to home so sometimes like I don't know whether it's like bureaucracy or whatever so even though that's because of the risk that forced us to then buy it from somewhere else and things like that so in that example that that company lost business of a chair um because of their, their risk assessment of that we can't let people deliver stuff to their home um but yeah, yeah. sorry i don't know if that made sense but. no it did i think the take-home message was um risk assessments are useful but they have to be done in an appropriate manner so that the mitigation has to be proportional to the risk um the consequences that are in, entailed and it, exactly. it's, it's daft to apply a blanket risk assessment to everything yeah yeah i think you couldn't i couldn't put it better myself that, that was a really nice way of, way of putting it i think yeah cool well i think we've reached the end of everything we have to say about risk so i guess we will end the podcast here <laughs>